Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Fizzle Show. I'm your host, Corbett Barr, and this is our podcast about earning a living independently doing something you love. Today, I'm excited to talk to someone who I was introduced to out of the blue. I receive a lot of cold emails, and I think people listening to this, if you run a podcast, you might know what I'm talking about. It's become pretty common to be solicited by all kinds of PR firms and people who are representing folks that might want to get on a podcast. And I get these emails maybe 10 times a day or something, and I've become pretty good at sussing them out quickly as to whether they are a form letter or as to whether they might have any interest to me. And so I don't respond to them very often. I'd say maybe one out of several hundred I'll actually respond to. And today's guest happens to be one of those people that broke through the noise and got my attention. And in talking to Laura, I thought maybe it would be good to have her on to talk about cold emailing and how she was able to not only get my attention, but how she uses cold emails to get to other people. And I love this topic because if you don't have a built-in audience, if you don't have a big email list or a big social media following, it can be really hard to reach people. And if you learn some techniques, some copywriting, and up your ability to get someone's attention, even if you don't already know them, it could be incredibly valuable to you. In fact, I had a coaching client once who spent a lot of time on content, building a blog, doing YouTube, social media, all that kind of stuff. And the thing that ended up working for him to build his business and to find clients was actually cold emailing. Just finding a list of people by joining a networking group and reaching out to them systematically and getting in front of them. So Laura, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Corbett. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, I am uh, really glad to have you on the show. I'm just going to let people know the email that caught my attention came from you. And you mentioned an episode that I had done before on The Fizzle Show, someone that I had had as a guest. And then you took some of the content from that episode and included it in a blog post. And you actually took a screenshot of that blog post and put it in the email. And there's a big red arrow there saying that, Corbett Barr, host of The Fizzle Show, recently said, and you quoted me in it. And this really just grabbed my attention because it was so customized and it was so specific to me. And I find that so few people actually go through that effort. So I was really happy to interact with you and it turned into this Fizzle Show appearance, which is really cool. But before we get into cold emailing and how you've been able to make it work, tell us a little about your background. Are you a copywriter by trade? Like what sort of business do you run? Give us the details. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm actually a cold email and pitch expert. And I started off six years ago as just a run-of-the-mill copywriter. It was actually about two weeks ago was my six-year quitting anniversary from my full-time salary job at a law firm where I was a paralegal. I went to trial with lawyers. And if you know anything about lawyers, they like everything in writing. It doesn't exist until it's in writing. So I got a really nitty gritty education on how to write good emails, emails that persuade people to do things that they don't really want to do. Cause after all, who really wants to work with an attorney, even if it is your own attorney, people are very reluctant, right? So I got this, this in the trenches education on how to write emails. And then, then I decided it was time to create my own business. I'd had this feeling inside of me for a long time on, I needed to do something else with my life. And so I quit. And then I was, I was kind of out there 
dangling off this cliff. It feels so scary when you quit and you, I had no idea of how I was going to get clients or make this business thing work. And you knew, you knew that you wanted to be a copywriter, that you wanted to do writing for a living. A bit. Yeah. Any specific types of customers you're going after or? At the time I thought writing customer success stories or case studies would be a great way because I had a background in like my degree was in English literature. So I had this background in storytelling, but I had no idea how to put those threads together. And I knew that marketing departments would need, you know, these success stories to successfully market their things. So I figured, heck, I have no budget. I have one $200 a month client. And that was on a good month. (laughs) I needed clients now so I could pay my mortgage. I just bought like a new house with my husband and I'd suddenly been dropped from, you know, a steady paycheck to nothing with no budget or anything. So I figured I needed to get clients as fast as I could. And I had nothing else at my disposal other than reaching out. And I was way too scared to pick up the phone and actually cold call people because, oh my gosh, people might hang up on me. Like that was far scarier to me than getting an email like deleted or just ignored. Cause then my feelings wouldn't be hurt. I had no idea. How long is this process where you're wandering in the woods, trying to figure out what your business model is going to be and so on? Yeah. So I spent, it was the summer of 2015 and I spent three months cold emailing and I had a goal, a weekly goal of sending 25 cold emails that week. And as you can imagine, that helped me up level really quickly because at first I was getting nothing. I felt like I was emailing, you know, the internet's dump truck, like just the, the trash bin of the internet. I was getting nothing back. I hadn't even been smart enough to figure out that I needed tracking on my emails to see if they got opened or not. It was purely experiment, test, try it again, do it again, keep going, keep going. So it took me about three months. And then I finally started getting replies and booking sales calls. And by month four, I had signed what would become a $20,000 client from one cold email. It was very personalized and it was answering that question that was in her mind. What's in it for me? It was very much focused on, you know, the cold email readers needs versus those initial cold emails that I sent out on month like one were all about me. Nobody cares about me. They only care about themselves. So you're saying you booked this major client within four months of going out on your own. Yeah. That's impressive. We talk a lot about the effort and the time that it takes to build a successful business. And obviously if you're building a new car, it might take you 15 years to get that venture off the road or off the ground. And offering a service is much easier, but even still for people who are creating a service-based business, we often see that it can take people a year or more to start getting steady clients and, and revenue in the door. So four months is a really short time frame, And I know how scary it can be in the beginning stages to run a business and then to reach out to people who don't know you. I think a lot of people have these emotional or psychological hurdles about reaching out to people that they don't know. They feel for some reason that it's taboo or that it's really scary or that it's for some reason off limits, like they shouldn't be doing it. Can you talk about that? Did you have any of those sort of hurdles to get over? Oh yeah. I was so scared every time. And that's why I set that weekly goal of 25 emails, because I knew if I set a daily goal, there'd be days that I felt off or I couldn't summon the energy or the courage to click send because that's really the scariest part. Like you can write the whole darn thing, but clicking send means you're shipping the product, right? You're you're sending it off. You're risking that ridicule. But the thing that I've realized in sending 
now thousands of cold emails. That's my job now <laughs> is, is confronting that fear. And it's actually part of your brain that's been hardwired into you. And it's this part that's outdated. It's called your lizard brain. And it's put there to keep you safe to back when we were, you know, living in caves, it was put there to keep you from getting eaten by lions and tigers and bears and all that goodness. But now it's an outdated piece of software that keep, it's trying so hard to keep you safe, but you have to just tell it like, it's cool. I've got this. It's not that scary. And ask yourself, what's the worst that could happen when I click send? Are they really going to email me back and say, blah, 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 like curse me out? Or are they likely not even going to do that? And they're going to hit delete. And I have no idea. And is that really the worst? And if I don't hit send, what's the worst that could happen? My business shrivels up and dies because I couldn't go over that fear of clicking send. And also to your point of like this idea that the inbox is a sacred place. It's really not. It's really not. You do give permission to people a lot to email you, but you can earn that permission if you give them something of value in return. And the value doesn't have to be like, here's a link to my greatest blog article. People don't actually need more information, What people are looking for and what you can give them in your cold email is a solution to the problem that they already have. For example, in my cold email to you, you have a problem of needing to get quality guests on your podcast, right? So I presented myself as that solution to your problem. And so I didn't have to sell you on anything. I didn't have to educate you on this problem that you already have. You already have it. All I have to do in my cold email is present myself in a compelling case for why you should pick me as your solution. And this is something that I think people need to be aware of. Podcasts, a lot of people just are purely taking inbound requests and filtering through them. I was on a really big show recently and the host confided in me that he actually takes all of his guests from inbound, from requests from other people. He has several layers of people that are filtering through that and finding the really good ideas and, and good presentations and so on. So there are opportunities to be had by reaching out to people who don't know you because a lot of times they are looking for people. They are looking for, in the case of venture capitalists, for example, VCs actually do often meet people from cold emails. The key is you have to have something that's really interesting, unique, valuable, and so on to get their attention and to make that email worth responding to or opening. The same thing happens in the art world. My wife is a painter and she's often, you know, terrified to reach out to people for these fears that we've talked about. And, you know, when you go to gallery websites, a lot of them say, we don't take submissions. You know, we don't email us, we don't take submissions, but it's not actually true. They actually do find people through emails quite a bit. They just are putting up barriers so that they slow down, I guess, the flood of people that are reaching out to them. So it's an interesting thing because all of us are happy to be solicited, if that's what you want to call it, by someone who has something that's really of use to us. And on the other side, we don't want to be solicited by spam, you know, which we get all the time. A lot of the spam I get is from like suppliers in Asia that have like some new manufacturing technique. And I'm like, I'm not a manufacturer. I don't care. But I get those all the time. Right. So clearly there's a difference in quality of email and value. So I'm curious, what did you start to refine as part of this process that led to your success? So what I focused on refining was at its core, the messaging, 
which is basically like a fancy copywriting term for figuring out why your cold email reader should listen or open your email. It's really answering the question that's in their mind, what's in it for me? And it's a, it's a basic human question. It's something that we all filter requests through. It doesn't really matter if it's coming from your wife on, you know, can you empty the dishwasher for me today? Or like your kid on, Hey, can we watch this today? You're still filtering that question. What's in it for me? And your cold email reader is the exact same way. And so part of that process, looking back on it, now I see what I was doing, but at the time I was just trying to focus more of answering that question for my reader. Like, why should they say yes? And you can think of it as building an argument or a case for why they should take a phone call with you or get on a Zoom call like now. And how can you help them say yes? How can you smooth out friction? For example, like in my email to you, I included a screenshot of where I quoted you in one of my guest blog posts. So you don't have to go and search it out and be like, hmm, is she telling me the truth? Here's a screenshot. I'll prove it to you. And that just helps me build my case. So if you can think about your cold email, all in terms of answering your reader's question, what's in it for me, not only will it be way easier to write, which is also a really big problem for people. Like, what do I put on the page? Well, when you know how to answer that question, it's a lot easier to write and it's a lot easier for them to say yes. And the biggest way for you to answer that question is to do research into who you're writing to. And we can talk a lot about like mirror neurons and disk personality profiles. And there's a lot of cool things that you can do to research your cold email reader and figure out how to answer that question for them. I assume that you still use cold emailing. I, obviously, that's how we got in touch. How do you find people every week, whether your quota is 25 people or your goal or higher or lower? Still, it's it's quite a challenge to find people week after week to email. I imagine that's a hurdle for some wondering, or maybe, you know, I would imagine some people probably have this like dream list of three people that they would love to get in touch with. And that's all that they focus on. And they feel like they have to hold back until everything's perfect to reach out to those people. And then probably they do and it doesn't work out. Those people never get back to them or whatever. They put people on a pedestal. Your approach, obviously 25 people every week, that's like over a thousand people in a year. That's amazing. How do you find people? Okay. Well, first of all, I'm definitely not doing 25 cold emails a week anymore. My goal right now is five emails a week. There's definitely no way I have the bandwidth, but really to answer, like, how do you find the people? It's the easiest way is to be curious. Like you can make a list of all the people who you would love to work with, you know, your like dream list, but then make a list of the people who you think would probably really like to work with you, but they're not like your dream clients. So you can test on those people. And it's not a big deal if they don't get back to you. It's not a big deal if you say like, or you feel like you say the wrong thing in a cold email, because it's just a test. It's an experiment. And really the easiest thing that will take away the fear, because I know there's a lot of fear around cold emails, is to consider your cold email, not a marriage proposal. The easiest way to think of it is Back in the, in the days of like going out to bars, I'm married. So it's been a long time since I've dated, but back in the dating days, if you went out to a bar and you saw someone that caught your eye, you aren't going to ask them, Hey, you want to run around to the church around the corner? Let's get hitched. Oh, you're going to like go up to them and say, Hey, is this seat taken? Can I sit here? And then you're going to ask them, what are you drinking? And then you're going to ask them like, Oh, what did you think about the weather? Lots of rain today, huh? 
you're going to start a conversation. And that's really what your cold email is all about. Starting a conversation, starting a relationship. You're not in there to, you know, put a ring on it right away. You're actually in there to see, are you interested in this? And then if someone says, no, thanks, you can say, I'm curious, you know, what made you say no? And by asking a little bit of conversation, a little bit of questions, you can also figure out like what's not working for them. And then you can use that information in your next cold email. Like if it's a cold sales email, but honestly, you can use it in a pitch email for getting on podcasts. Like if you had replied back to me and said, you know what? No, thanks. I'm not really interested. I've been like, okay, that's cool. I'm just curious, like what wasn't working for you? And then I can use that information on my next pitch or my next cold email. I'm curious when we were prepping for this, you mentioned something called the relevancy method. What is that exactly? So it's a four-step method or framework that I use every time in writing a cold email. And the first step is research. And that lets you know who you're cold emailing. Think of it as filling in all of the blank pieces on this portrait of someone. You're researching, you're figuring out who they are. You're figuring out what kinds of things they like. Maybe that means you're listening to their podcast. You're maybe subscribing to their email list. You're just showing up in their world and figuring out who this person is. This is, by the way, so important and so simple. But I would say the difference for me in the majority, like 99% of cold emails versus what you're talking about is day and night. And most people, their approach, and I have replied to PR people before just saying like, shame on you for representing your client this way and giving people a little advice that these like form written emails that you blast out to a list of people that you don't know that you got somewhere on the internet are just ineffective and they're a waste of everyone's time. And if that was my PR team, I would be really disappointed that that's how they were representing me. So researching, it seems so simple, but just researching each person that you're emailing, especially if it's the first time you've ever reached out to them, it's such a basic step. But I guess because it takes a little bit of time, people don't want to do it. And so they just send out these massive blanket spam emails. But the return on those spam emails is zero. Whereas if you're doing the research and so on, do you have any sense of what the reply rate is like in your case? Like when you're using these techniques, do you get like one out of a hundred or one out of 50 or, or like how many people reply to a cold email? For me, when I first ran, you know, my first cold email campaign, when I launched my business, my open rate was 56%. So basically one in every two people opened my email and then 9% of people replied. And it was usually a yes or a, like a not right now. And then I could schedule them to follow up later down the road. So, you know, one in every 10 people. Now it's funny. I was just looking at numbers this morning. And in the past, like two weeks, I've sent out 11 cold emails and I've gotten four immediate yeses and two no's and then five, they need some follow-up. They need some nurturing. Maybe it was a busy time that my email reached them. That's not a big deal. Like following up is part of your job. If you're sending a cold email, a lot of times people see it on the second email, you know, the first follow-up email. And that's totally cool. You're just helping them prioritize your email and saying, hey, this email was important enough for me to reply and follow up with you about. It's also important for you because I'm actually waiting for a response from you. Please help me and respond. It doesn't have to be complicated, the follow-ups. 
This episode is brought to you by Cloudways, a managed cloud hosting provider that is all about simplicity and freedom. Cloudways supports all major e-commerce platforms, including WooCommerce and Magento. It offers performance-oriented features such as managed backups, free SSL certificates, Cloudways CDN, built-in caches, security, and 24-7 support. Go to cloudways.com and use the promo code FIZZLE to sign up for a new Cloudways account and get a free $25 hosting credit. Taking care of employees has never been more important. For years, Gusto's been helping more than 100,000 small business owners run payroll, offer benefits, onboard new employees, and more. They call it the People Platform. And it doesn't just look nice, it works. Your payroll taxes are filed, deductions are calculated, and your team gets paid. You can even offer health insurance and 401ks. Get three months free after your first payroll when you go to gusto.com fizzle. That's gusto.com slash fizzle. That rate of reply is astronomical. Getting like 40 or 50% of people to reply with a yes or to reply with anything is amazing. So I think that's just speaking to the, the effectiveness of your techniques. But as you were saying with the relevancy method, it all starts with doing some research and actually getting to know the person that you're reaching out to. Yeah, that's the most important part. And that actually takes up, I would say, a huge chunk of my time. And I don't want to give your listeners the wrong idea in that it's taking me hours to do the research. It's not. It takes about maybe 15 minutes per person. And sometimes it's a little bit longer. Like if it's a bigger person that I want to make a really good impact on you, for example, I listened to a whole episode of The Fizzle Show to make sure I was going to be pitching something that would fit well for you. And it wasn't going to be irrelevant or waste of your time. And so maybe that took me an hour, but it was an hour that I got a lot of value out of. So it's not like wasted time. Just think about, you need to answer the question, like, who am I emailing? Who is on the other side of this email? What do they care about? What makes them tick? What are they passionate about? And so you can, you can look them up on LinkedIn. I love to use this one plugin. It's called crystal nose. It'll give you the disc personality profile of the, the LinkedIn profile that you're looking at. So you can make an educated guess on how your recipient's brain communicates based on their personality. Okay. Dive into this a little more. I, you just use like three words I've never heard. So the disc personality profile, what is this? The disc personality profile is there's four, four main personality types in the world and you, you can fall into one category by itself, or you can be a blend of a couple. That's totally cool. But it reflects on how your brain communicates and makes decisions based on your personality. So for example, one of the personality types is like D dominant, right? And these are your fast action takers. They make a decision quickly. Sometimes before you finish talking, they're like, yep, let's do Chinese dinner. Cool. We're good right? I'm sure you can think of that person in your life. Or there's someone, I think it's the conscientious personality type. They need a lot of details to make a decision. You can think of these folks as maybe they're in finance. They love the data. They like to know numbers. They like to know that it's a safe decision. They don't like to take risks. Or if they do take a risk, it's very calculated. And there's a very low percentage of it going wrong on them. So when you cold email someone, you want to know how their brain communicates so that you can mirror it back on the page to them. And before I figured out how to use crystal nose, it's free, by the way, it's totally awesome. I would wait for a reply and then I would reply back in the same format and the same flavor that my cold email reader 
would use. So if you didn't use a salutation, you'd just be like, Laura, yep, let's do it. Thanks, Corbett. I would reply back in that same kind of tone that you used in your email so that your brain would say, hey, look, she understands me. She's similar. It's safe. We're good. Let's proceed. And then it's also a clear communication because your brain understands the way I'm speaking to it. If you imagine, you used a dating reference earlier. If you imagine in the real world, if you're at a dinner party or cocktail party and there's somebody that you want to approach, you've probably had the opportunity to kind of, maybe you heard part of their conversation and you get a sense for their personality. Are they enthusiastic, extroverted? Are they quiet and shy? And you tailor the conversation you're going to start with something that's compatible with them. But when you're cold emailing, a lot of times you don't necessarily know unless you've done the research, you've got to know the person. And what you're saying is through this tool, which we'll include in the show notes, it's called Crystal Nose. You can actually like tune this to someone's LinkedIn profile and it will give you a sense of what their personality type might be. Yeah, it's super cool. And it will give you kind of prompts on how to communicate with them. I like to use it as a starting point to figure out how long my cold email should be like the dominant personality, you could probably, if you're really good at it, you could probably pitch them in the subject line and they would be okay with it because they're quick decision makers. So that question, that eternal question that you probably hear a lot, like how long should my cold email be? This could be your answer to that. It depends on the personality type that you're emailing. Interesting. We're into step two of the relevancy method here. This is actually still step one. This is just research. Okay. And this is all part of understanding. Yeah. You can think yeah. of it as light to medium internet stalking. And that's totally cool. <laughs> <laughs> so just figure out who you're emailing, who's on the other side of the email. And then step two is the strategy. And that will be informed by your research and who it is that you're emailing, what matters to them. It could also inform like your call to action. Like, is it, if you're doing a sales email, are you asking like a hard ask? Like, are you available for this meeting? Or you can go for like a softer one. Like, are you just interested? And that can also depend on what your research found. I'm sure that you found that there are certain things that are easier to get people to say yes to then. And really, like you said, you're just looking to start a conversation and, and further that process. I feel like sometimes the problem with, people who write cold emails, even if they're not just blanket spamming people, is that they don't have a understandable ask. They don't get to the point. You're left after reading the email with not understanding what they wanted. And so it's hard to reply yes or no or whatever. And this is something I learned way back in the corporate world. And you probably learned from being in the law firm. If you want to make progress on a project and it requires like getting buy-off or decisions or whatever from people, you can't write these vague nebulous emails that are feeling someone out. You have to have like a, a very clear call to action, almost like you do in a sales letter. Is that the sort of thing that you're looking for? Yeah, definitely. And that actually brings us really nicely into step number three of the relevancy method, which is writing your cold email. And to write your cold email, you need to use the three priceless pillars of a cold email. And that first pillar is clarity. You need to be clear in what your cold email is saying because a confused mind doesn't buy, it doesn't convert, it doesn't reply, it just clicks delete. So if you're clear and not using like vague words like marketing, like marketing can mean a lot of different things. It can mean posting every day on, you know, Instagram stories. It could mean 
posting on LinkedIn. It could mean cold emails, but if you're not defining what marketing could mean, that brings up a, a confusion, a question in your reader's mind of like, I don't want to say yes, because I'm not quite clear on what that means to me. Scaling is another great like buzzword, but what does it actually mean? What does it mean to your cold email reader and their business? Does it mean going from like a team of one to a team of two by adding a VA? What does that mean? What does that look like scaling? Yeah. So being specific. Yeah, totally being specific. And then the second pillar is a micro yes. And that's where every sentence has your reader nodding along with you. And that comes from doing your research. And so your hook or your intro, the first couple sentences of your cold email, they need to build trust. They need to prove that you're not some internet weirdo that bought this email address off some list. And now you're sending a million spam emails. It needs to prove that you know and understand your reader. Try to make a connection with the threads that your research brought. Try to make that connection with them. And then the third pillar of a priceless cold email is one goal. So it goes back to what you're saying. You need to have one next step that your reader needs to take, and you need to be super clear about it. The easiest way to do that is to put it in the form of a question because your reader will naturally want to reply to that question. We don't like to leave questions unanswered, which is why movie trailers work so freaking well because they just bring up all these questions, right? So put your ask in the form of a question because then they want to answer it and then you get a reply. And then just like simple copywriting technique also probably involves not burying that question in the middle of a long paragraph so that people can actually see it. And because people skim, if you're going through email and especially from people that you don't know, you're just quickly like trying to find out as fast as possible, whether or not this matters or not. And of course, as you said, the subject, the first sentence, opening paragraph, they all have to hook the person, the reader, but even still, let's say you misjudged and you thought that this was an analytical person and they're not. So you wrote a decent amount. You still don't want to bury the ask because they might gloss over it. Yeah, exactly. And that brings up a great point is that a lot of people are reading emails on their phone. So you need to insert a lot of paragraph breaks more than you would think. Like if you're writing your email in a Google doc, this is what I like to do. So I'm not hitting send and doing a premature sendulation on someone put it in a Google doc, but your paragraphs are going to look super short, but that's okay in the Google doc. Cause if you put it in an email and send it to yourself and look at it on your phone, you want short paragraphs because they move your reader's eye down the page. It's like the James Patterson technique. This is how he writes all of his books. They're short choppy. They're getting you down the page and moving you towards their goal, which is the ask so that you can take action. So think about how your email is probably being read, which is likely on a very small screen. And for us, I know, I think it's 55 or 60% now of our visitors are on mobile devices. So do you see, for people who have tried some cold emails, do you see some mistakes that they're commonly making? Yeah, I do. I see three big mistakes. The first mistake that I see a lot is people want to send cold emails, but they let the fear talk them out of sending the cold email. And to this, I say, just send it. It's not going to do anyone any good sitting in your drafts folder. I would bet if you put some time into it, and I bet that you probably did, it's going to be better than 90% of the cold emails out there because they are those form spammy cold emails. And that's the cool thing about cold emails is the bar is set so incredibly low 
It's so low. And I feel like if we just showed people how low that bar is, you know, maybe I should collect like the next hundred and anonymize them somehow. I don't know, but, but just show people how awful most cold emails are. They're incredibly awful and like bad formatting, bad spelling, like you name it, it's in there. And so just by doing some research on your email reader, making sure that there's no spelling errors, there's no funky formatting, there's no like big text, little text, you know, I know you know what all those weird formatting errors look like. Just making sure it looks legit goes a huge, huge long way in making sure that your cold email will actually get read. And then so the other two big mistakes I see are not answering your reader's question, what's in it for me, which we've talked a lot about, and just having a cold email be too writer-centered and not reader-centered. So just focus on your reader's problem. If you did your research, you'll likely know what their problem is, and then just offer yourself as the solution. So really, you don't have to send, you don't have to even include that much information about yourself at the end. You can just introduce yourself and say, hey, I'm Laura, and I can help you solve this. You want to get on a call. It can be as simple as that. And then the last big mistake I see is making the reader do some heavy lifting, like fact checking. The best example I can think of is in my cold email to you, where I said, you know, I quoted you in this guest post. Making you do the heavy lifting would mean not including a screenshot, making you have to look up the guest post, making you have to sort through and then make sure I'm telling you the truth to verify, or maybe in a cold sales email, like sending them a link to your Calendly. Everybody hates scheduling. So why not just preemptively offer some dates and times and they can say yes or no. And if it doesn't work, they'll likely reply with either their Calendly link, which is what you want after all, or some dates that do work for them, which is also what you want. So it's a win-win. Just help them say yes. Love it. And we talk about this just in general sales technique. You have to give people a reason to say yes and an opportunity to. And I love that you're so focused on the person that you're emailing, the problems that they have, the value that you can bring, giving them an easy option to take the next step. It just, it all makes it, that's the thing. You have to make it easy. You can't throw up roadblocks and make people think and make them ask questions and so on. It just has to be easy. And it sounds like in most cases, you're trying to get people to book a time for like an exploratory call or something? Is that kind of like what the next step is in a lot of cases? Yeah, for me, the next step is it depends on the cold email, right? Sometimes I'm just looking for a yes, like you're interested, you want to have me on your podcast or do a webinar for you. Or if it's a sales email, my next step in my sales process is let's get on a call and talk about it. But for you and your listeners, it might depend on what's the natural next step. Like, what do you need them to take? What do you need them to do? Do you need them for a lot of people? If you're doing service providing, you know, one-on-one client work, the next step is that sales call. And so the easiest way to figure out, like, what do I need them to do? Look at your current clients. What's the journey that they took to get to working with you? Likely you had them take specific steps to signing a contract and what are those steps and what's that next step? Sometimes it's as easy as like figuring out if they're interested or not. So you know whether or not to keep following up. And if they aren't interested, that's totally cool. You can always ask like, 
they might say, it's not a good time for me. And you can ask like, okay, when would be a good time? When would you like me to follow up? When will you be thinking about this? And I'm curious, like, what is your follow-up strategy? If you email someone, you don't hear from them, do you follow up? When do you follow up? How many times do you follow up? And do you find that you get results from the follow-up emails, even if you don't from the first? Yeah, following up is vital. And that is the biggest thing that I've learned. Definitely follow up. Don't be afraid to follow up. You're not pestering or bothering them or nagging. You're helping them prioritize your email. We get so many emails every day and it's on the rise too. Thanks COVID. But just a follow-up is as simple as hitting reply in your original email. So you're keeping that email in a thread and that original email is below. And then just hitting reply and saying, following up on the below email. Thanks. Your name. And so do that maybe two to three days after your first email. And then if you still don't get a reply, that's okay. Do another follow-up. Say, you can say like bumping this to the top of your inbox. That works. You can say following up on the below email, and then you can repeat your call to action, your ask from your original email. You can do that as a follow-up. And usually the more follow-ups that you do, the greater time duration between each follow-up. So like the first follow-up could be like two to three days after your first email. The second follow-up is like four to five days after your first follow-up. And, you know, so you're spreading it out a little bit more because maybe they're waiting on something to resolve on their end before they can say yes to you, but it's too lengthy to reply with that whole explanation to you. So they're just kind of like, yep, I see it just kind of waiting, need a decision made, but you don't know. So just keep following up. It's okay. They will tell you if they want you to stop following up and you can follow up as many times as you like. I typically like to cut it off at about four to five follow-ups because then there's clearly something that's happening on their side that I can't resolve for them if they're not hitting reply and, and, and sharing that information with me. Yeah. And, or your email might not be reaching them for some reason. There's, there's all kinds of different things. I love that you said that in the follow-ups, at least the first couple, they're really simple. It's just, it's a matter of saying, Hey, I'm following up. And then the email is down below. Maybe you put the ask in there again or something. But what I see a lot of times is people go down the road of making it really salesy after the first email. The first email is a form letter. The second one says something like, hey, I know we're all busy these days, but I wanted to give you more. And then it goes into this long sales letter. And then it's at that point, I know it's not tailored to me, you know, and and then it's just really easy to ignore. And then at that point, I'm going to hit the spam button or the unsubscribe link if, you know, if there is one or whatever. So I, I like that the simplicity of it, it makes it a really personal thing. Almost like, you know, you think about if you're emailing someone not cold, but someone that you know, that you know, is probably just busy and hey, just making sure you didn't forget about this or whatever. I always think those are fine. In fact, we're about to remodel a house here in Portland. And I had reached out to a contractor over text message because somebody gave me his phone number. And he said, hey, I'm really busy right now, but can you bug me again next week? You know, and it's one of those things like some people, they, he doesn't have time to add a reminder or whatever, and he doesn't have time right now, but he does want to get to it. So he just wants a gentle reminder. Hey, just following up on this, you know? That's all your follow-ups need to do. And really that's a, a mistake I see a lot of email marketers doing for their cold emails is writing a whole nother email for their follow-up. It's not a nurture sequence. You with your cold email are trying to get an answer to one specific question, which is your ask from your original email. So by following up, you're just helping them 
reply, really, please, please don't put like, I know you're busy because that gives your email reader a chance to nod their head in the, in the worst way and be like, yeah, I am busy. So why don't you bleep off and I'm going to delete you. And I have no time for you. I have so many things I have to get done. Like, don't say, I know you're busy. Like that's such a cop out. Just make it worth their time in your original email and show them why you are a solution to whatever problem you figured out that they have. And no matter how busy someone is, they will find the time if it's important or valuable enough. Yeah, definitely. Laura, this has been like absolutely amazing. So I'd love to know a couple of things. First of all, I don't know if I said your full name before. Can you pronounce your last name for us? Yeah, it's a tricky one. Speaking of roadblocks, it's Laura Lopich, like low pitch in baseball instead of the high pitch. Okay. Got it. L-O-P-U-C-H. Yep. That's it. Laura Lopich. And if someone is just thinking about starting with cold emailing, finally, maybe they've like had that fear that they haven't been able to get over or whatever. What's a good like initial goal attempt for them to do? And do you have like a starter kit or something that people can use to understand some of the things that we've talked about today? Yeah, definitely. I would say get started by sending a cold email. Just, just do it. If you have one waiting in your Gmail drafts folder, like me, I've got a couple that I've been waiting on sending. It's okay. It's normal. That fear is totally normal. And you can do hard things to quote Glennon Doyle. You can do this and you can click send. Just do it. You will feel way better. And then for getting started, if it's cool with you, I actually put together like package for your listeners exclusively. It's two cold email templates. So you guys don't have to start with like a blank page. Awesome. Yeah. If you have a link and then I'm happy to put that in the show notes for people as well. Yes, definitely. The link is lauralopez.com slash fizzle. I will add that to the show notes for people listening to this. You can find the show notes for this as they are for every episode will be over at fizzleshow.co. Laura, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. I encourage people listening to this to check out your stuff for a primer on how to do cold emails because they really can be one of the most effective business tools if you learn how to use it. And if you just get over that initial hurdle of the fear that all of us face when trying to do it. Thank you so much, Corbett. It's been an absolute pleasure. I have been Corbett Barr, as always. Thank you guys for listening to The Fizzle Show and we'll see you next time. 